Remember when your mother told you if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all? Well... Mom said, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. <laughs> I guess that's exactly what you just heard Pete Moss do in the introduction. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. We are so glad you joined us today. And right at the top of the show, I was actually, I thought I was going to get a couple of minutes to introduce our guest, but I believe everybody knows him. Congressman Mike Johnson, how are you, sir? Hey, my friend. Great to hear your voice, as always. Doing well. Uh, what part of the world do you find yourself in? Are you back in D.C.? Are you all working now? Or are you still on the uh, extended, uh, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> Don't call it a recess. We put that in air quotes. We're on congressional recess. And you know what that means is that when we're back home in the district, we've got to go to all of our, for me, it's 16 parishes or counties, uh, doing town halls, meeting with mayors and all the organizations and people we represent so um there's no rest for the weary but i am home in louisiana right now i want to jump right in and get to it uh there are several things that i think you're an expert on and i want to draw from your expertise and i'm just going to dump the big one on you right now kevin mccarthy house speaker kevin mccarthy actually kind of opened the door for the possibility of opening a impeachment inquiry against the president you are a constitutional attorney, and you've argued in the highest courts in the land. What is your opinion about the viability of an impeachment and one of the clauses in the House um, uh, articles that you guys would go after would be impeaching him for not enforcing federal laws and suborning others? For doing the same thing yeah so it's a great question it is the big question as as i'm moving around my my district uh conducting town halls inevitably the first or second question in every forum is what about impeachment so let, let me give you the explanation that i provided publicly privately and to kevin mccarthy uh himself as one of his advisors and part of the leadership team um let me just say this at the outset, okay? Barring declarations of war, impeachment is probably the most awesome power that Congress holds. It, it is not a tool to be wielded lightly, but with vigor and fidelity to the truth. Now, <clears throat> as you know, Dan, I was I served on the impeachment defense team twice yes. uh, for Donald Trump yes. when the Democrats uh, completely politicized, diminished. Uh, it's it's uh it, it's serious nature and and really abused all of that and so those were completely bogus and i think most people recognize it now i'm also on record and on probably 1000 videos during that those periods uh just exclaiming that this should never be used for those partisan purposes so when we proceed and i believe that we we will move forward with an impeachment inquiry probably uh in mid-september when we all return 
uh, because it's so urgent. Um, it will not be for political purposes, and I will insist upon that. And I and I have been uh, one of the ones insisting even in our House Republican meetings. We cannot be like the other side. We are the rule of law team. We are the ones who have to do the appropriate investigations and follow the evidence where it leads. And so that has made some of our friends and supporters and many in the base uh, kind of frustrated because they want action. They want action. They want, you know, scalps. They want heads to roll. They see Mayorkas. They see Garland. They see all these cabinet officials who are completely inept. They're not only thwarting federal law, not doing their duty. Um, I, I think they may have committed other impeachable offenses, but we have to do it the right way. And, 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 I think that it is leading there. I think the impeachment inquiry is the next important step because that would do two things. It would it would supercharge our investigative uh, powers and authorities, and it would also force the mainstream media to finally cover these shocking scandals. And, and both of those things need to happen right away. My question and the purpose is for this. If for no other reason, five million times, Five million times since he's been president, he has allowed people to enter the country illegally and not just allowed it. He has created or helped create or ordered others to create a structure that not only allows it, but encourages it on that watch in just two years in Texas alone, 600,000 felony criminal acts committed in a two year period by illegals against Texans within that context, not enforcing the laws, which in his oath of office, he absolutely committed that he was going to do that, the Constitution, and then to protect us. If for no other reason, forget about the politics, can we hold him accountable for that? Uh, that is a really important question and one that we've been addressing in our House Judiciary Committee and in the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government that I serve on uh, since we began this Congress. I mean, I called for uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas's uh, removal or impeachment resignation within four months of his taking that post because it became readily apparent what you just said, Dan, that they were intentionally. I mean, the crisis we have, the catastrophe we have because of that open border is not by happenstance. It is, as you know, because they designed it that way. This is intentional. Um, Are are those impeachable offenses? Well, remember the guidance that we have. Impeachment is a rarely used mechanism for the obvious reasons that it is kind of the nuclear option in the Constitution. And uh, we are guided by the plain language, originalist, textualist, as you and I are, uh, we're guided by the Constitution, and its language says in Article 2, Section 4, that uh, a president in this case, or cabinet officials in this case, uh, will be removed from office upon uh, upon conviction of, impeachment for, and conviction of treason, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors. Okay, so That third category is the one that is kind of open to subjective interpretation. What is a high crime or misdemeanor? Heck, I, you and I can argue, uh, I think, very well that thwarting and ignoring and doing the opposite of clear black letter federal law uh, is certainly uh, uh, on the level of a misdemeanor. <laughs> is it a high <laughs> crime? I don't, I, I don't know if I can point to a statute, but it's certainly <laughs> dereliction of duty. It's certainly malfeasance. Okay, but but here's the, here's the point that I want to make. Like, this is a target-rich environment for us, okay? I mean, um, you know, you have the overt weaponization of the Department of Justice itself, you know, the wanton disregard of the rule of law at the border. You have 
you know, the, the targeting of groups by the FBI that they deem disfavored by the Biden administration, you know, pro-lifers, Catholics, conservatives using social media. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So we could, I think, pretty easily uh, bring impeachment articles and get those through the House on Secretary Mayorkas. I think you go up the chain. His boss is Attorney General Merrick Garland, who I also believe has committed impeachable offenses. OK, but we, we only really have because of the calendar, because of the time and because of the, the reality of the political atmosphere and all that. We really only have a chance probably to 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 bring one impeachment. So should we should we waste that on Mayorkas or Garland or should we go for the president himself? And here's why I say that and not in a political sense. If we are following the evidence where it leads, and that is our constitutional duty, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution. As I noted, it says in Article 2, Section uh, Article 2, Section 4, that bribery, for example, is the second listed cause that uh, necessitates impeachment. We have credible evidence, Dan, that the president of the United States has engaged in bribery schemes and extortion. Um, I can't over I can't look the other way, even if it's politically non-expedient for us, even if it doesn't make sense for us to do that. I have angst now in the base of people calling me saying, don't impeach Biden. We're going to have President Kamala Harris, you know, on the ballot. Uh, I, I can't. That's that is not the decision that has to guide a member of Congress who's taken an oath to uphold the Constitution. And I'm the chairman of the Constitution Subcommittee of Judiciary. I mean, this an impeachment proceeding literally begins on my desk in the House Judiciary Committee. I take this very seriously, and I think if the, pres- the president, if the evidence leads to a bribery scheme involving the president of the United States, Dan, I do not think we have a choice. I think we have to proceed. It's odd that you brought that up. The second thing I pulled out was 18 U.S. Code Section 201, bribery of public officials and witnesses. I was going to ask you, if this thing comes together and if we can get somebody to realistically investigate the bribery, obvious, at least get some facts on the table with which you can make an educated decision about it. That seems to be the hot place that we need to go because it will be so stinking obvious. I know your time is short. I I respect your time always. I want to ask you about this special counsel thing. This, my friend, is the most blatant, outrageous in the American people's face of anything I've ever seen come out of Washington, D.C. David Weiss? David Weiss? Bo Biden's best friend? And he's been investigating Hunter Biden for four years and ran out the statute of limitations on two IRS fraud cases against Hunter Biden without doing anything? And he is a special counsel? I can't get by what the special counsel statute says about who can be and only be a person to be a special counsel. It has to be someone from outside of the government. Now, everybody's heard that so far. My question to you is, can Congress step in and fast-track something to the Supreme Court to get this ship righted before we spend another year or two going down this rabbit hole? Uh, that is a very good question. Uh, I don't, in this arena, as in so many others, we're in, we're in 
unprecedented uh, territory <laughs> because um, there's never been a situation like this. As you know, the federal regulation on points is the special counsel shall, not may, shall be selected from outside the United States government. The obvious purpose of this whole process is that you have to have a mechanism where the Department of Justice itself has an obvious conflict of interest. Okay, In this case, uh, <laughs> Mr. Weiss has an obvious and glaring conflict. He is effectively, as the Wall Street Journal noted in its op-ed page, he's effectively being asked to investigate himself. The whole point of the special counsel here, the reason we've been calling for it for a long, long time, for the appointment of special counsel over the Hunter Biden scandals, is because it was not being handled properly by the DOJ, by Mr. Weiss, right? He's been, as you noted, he's been on this for five years, right? They, they've they, by all appearances, have buried evidence. They allowed the statute of limitations to uh, toll. They, they, he tried, he, you know, Weiss is the architect of that sweetheart deal that was rejected by the federal court a few weeks ago, and he was embarrassed publicly because of it. How in the world? He answers directly to Merrick Garland. How in the world could he be an, a, uh, an appropriate choice for this? So your question is a good one. What can we do about it? I mean, I there there may be some outside groups there may be some public interest law firms there may be i don't know if we have standing as members of congress we're looking at it to see if we can legally challenge it um but you have a separation of powers issue uh, intertwined in this right because this is an executive branch function if the doj violates its own rules can the legislative branch force its hand in the courts i mean I, there. There's no case law on this stuff. It's, it's unprecedented. So well, the, we're about to find out. The Congress is the oversight branch. You guys sure. are supposed yeah. to be looking over this, and that kind right. of falls into a place where this should be an oversight project that could be undertaken. And we well, can't, I agree with you. We can't yeah. let it just yeah. rock on without taking some kind of action. The American people, I mean, you're, you're in our district. You're all over the place. You're seeing and talking to people every day. You know how frustrated people are? I've never seen well, American voters so engaged and are hacked off like they are today. Oh, me too, brother. They're highly motivated and they share the same frustration. Imagine my frustration. I've got to go to work <laughs> every day and, and, you know, sit and listen to this stuff. And, and, and I'm um, asking you and, these questions. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, they're, they're, you're right. You're right to do it, Dan. These are great questions. They're the same ones. That some of these that we're asking internally, like what is our mechanism? Yes, you're right to your point. Like I'm on the House Judiciary Committee. We do have the constitutional authority of oversight over the Department of Justice. In fact, Merrick Garland, this is be must see TV, September 20th, he is scheduled to appear before our committee. You don't want to miss that one. Um, but uh, <laughs> There's no love lost between you two. I know that. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, and I've got, I and my colleagues have a lot to ask him, but here's the thing. Um, how do we, uh, under this constitutional rubric that we have, short of the impeachment of the attorney general, how can we bring them to heel? Well, the only other real authority we have, because we don't have the majority in both houses of Congress, if we had the majority in the Senate, as we have the Republican majority in the House, we could bring legislation, we could reform all this mess, right? But because Chuck Schumer and the Democrats will never agree to our reform legislation, Really, the only power we have in the House is try to force through the appropriations process an adjustment in their budgets. Right? So um, I don't want to I don't want to do anything to adversely affect the patriotic, noble field agents, for example, of the FBI that are in these field offices all over the country doing essential, effective, necessary work. Um, but I really would like to get the attention of 
FBI Director Christopher Wray and Merrick Garland. Um, so we're working through every avenue and channel that we have. And short short of that, the only other option may indeed be to try to force their hand in some sort of declaratory judgment in the third branch of government, the courts. But what happens is so often you've seen is when we have one of these novel first impression cases like this, uh, a, a conflict between the legislative and the executive branch, the judicial branch says, hey, man, I'm not sure we can get in the middle of this. Y'all sort it out. <laughs> so so it takes a time to work this way through the appellate process and get it up to the Supreme Court. And, and you know the amount of time it takes to do that. So uh, we, we have almost kind of the beginning of an, yet another constitutional crisis in a situation that could not have been imagined by the framers of the document that we all live under. I hear every day, in addition to these things that we're talking about right now, I hear the cries for people that don't understand, don't even have a basic fundamental knowledge of the structure of the government and what can be done, what needs to be done, how can it be done. And this stuff regarding former President Trump, four indictments that are full of the most nonsensical, unprovable allegations. It's almost like guys that have girlfriends or girlfriends that have guys and they just get mad at each other and stand across the room and scream, get nothing done. There's no substance there. Is it your opinion, and I know you can't say factually, is it your opinion, this entire thing is orchestrated to get rid of the last bastion of conservatism in government and make a permanent Democrat Party majority. Is that what this is about? Um, I don't think there's any question that that is uh, the goal of many of the leaders of the Democrat Party in Washington and around the country. Um, they're terrified because they understand that their policies, the effect that their policies bring upon the people are now becoming more and more readily apparent. Um, people are recognizing that, and they're wildly unpopular. So the only way that they can force this is through tyranny, truly, to, to have a complete monopoly of the government where they can force their hand on everything, control every aspect of our lives, and take away our freedom. That's what's at stake. This is not your your father's uh, Republican and Democratic parties. There, you know, A generation ago, there wasn't really a whole lot of difference between the two uh, philosophies. They just had different routes getting to the same end right now. The, the Democratic regime is a full-fledged, outright, socialist, utopian kind of vision. They want to they break America down to the foundation and trade it in, reject it for a European-style socialist utopia, right, which is a fool's errand, and we all know it. So we're in this kind of cataclysmic battle for the future of the republic, and I think that the reason Donald Trump is, for example, is such a threat to them is because he is the bull in the china shop. He is – as as the, many of the American people perceive to be the one guy who could take that Oval Office and crash right through the deep state. He knows where the bodies are buried now. He went through it for four years, you know, and that is it terrifies them. So they are doing everything within their power to prevent him from ever holding public office again. As bogus as the charges are, they know that that appellate process that takes a long time, as I mentioned earlier, applies in the criminal realm as well. And they know that if they can have him running in a general election from a jail sale somewhere, uh, that it diminishes his chances of winning swing voters in the five states that we're going to need to win the Oval Office back. Um, this is very calculated. It is very sinister, and it is a great threat to our constitutional order, and that's why we have to fight it tooth and nail. 
it's really ironic that you said what you just said and <laughs> run for office from a jail cell. He yeah. actually could potentially have to do that. Wouldn't it be right. amazing? And I promise you, he would still get 70 million votes. People like him, because of what he showed them, he would do right. and could do. He didn't just talk about it. Congressman, this is longer than normal. I want to thank you for joining us. And we're in the middle of a heated war. It's not a battle anymore. It's a war. And right. it definitely is conservatism against authoritarianism. This may be our last yep. chance to pull this out. I agree with you. We always say the ne this next election is the biggest one of our <laughs> lifetimes. Hey, you, you cannot overstate the importance of 2024. Well, you guys have got a lot on the plate don't make a big difference between now and the election next year. We just got to get in full bore and move forward quickly. We're running out of, out of time. I agree with you. Congressman, thanks so much for being here. Come anytime. We want you back soon. You got it. Thanks, my friend. Congressman Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District right here in my district. And uh, <laughs> he's right in the middle of all of it. I don't know of another person that I would want standing up there. If you if you haven't been doing something, let me suggest, go on YouTube and in the search bar up top, put Congressman Mike Johnson. And whenever he is in a committee hearing and he is um, meeting with a witness, asking questions, going back and forth, there's a YouTube video of each of those made and he keeps those. So if you subscribe to his videos, whenever a new one comes up, when you open YouTube, it'll pop up that it's there. He's a bulldog when he gets in the faces of these hardcore leftist authoritarian people in the Biden administration, and he takes no prisoners. It's really neat for me to, knowing him personally, he's a good friend, but knowing that there is somebody in Congress that's working his butt off for the people of the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. He's number four in power in the Republican Party in the House, and he'll be around for a long time, and there's a bunch ahead. And we're grateful that he comes on here a couple of times a month to kind of bring us up to speed. Mike was the beginning of the show, just the beginning, much more straight ahead. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody was baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look at my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. 
Find yours on the Verbo app. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat up to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. What goads a lot of people, goads me as well, is we have so many moving parts, important things in our government, and really important things that impact all of our lives from top to bottom. And maybe we need to understand this. Just maybe, even though something that is bad going on in government doesn't directly impact you, it's still an important issue. If it's counter of what the rule of law says and what our democracy says, we need to address it. And when I say we need to address it, we the people need to. Now, who does that mean? You know, I'm just a regular old citizen. I don't have any power or authority in government. Make your voice be heard. Speak up. Talk to your Mike Johnson, whoever your congressional district representative is. Let them know how you feel about everything. Drop them a note. Call them. They'll all have somebody answering the phone, even if they're not in the office or they're on other lines. You can leave a voicemail. Your opinion is important. You're not just one person. Yeah, that's who you are, but you're one person, and your one-person opinion about everything matters. And Americans are getting fed up with all this crap. It's about time we just walk the straight line, obey the laws, and when people break the laws, hold them accountable for breaking the laws. And when our president won't even do that, come on now. What kind of nation have we become? I look around the landscape of media. You know, We talk about the mainstream media, the leftist media, the legacy media, whatever you want to call them. You know who they are. When they start perking up and looking at the things this president is doing and questioning them themselves, you know something's going on. President's involvement in Hunter's business dealings, according to Washington Post columnist Henry Olson, who's been a hardcore anti-anything negative Joe Biden, he said, What Joe Biden's doing in Hunter's business dealings deserves a serious investigation. That's a quote. In his latest column, Olson wrote he originally long dismissed stories about Hunter Biden, but recent revelations changed his mind. There's more than enough evidence to merit a thorough investigation of President Biden's involvement in his son's business dealings. Olson shared that recent testimony from Hunter Biden business associate Devin Archer, as well as claims that Biden used a bunch of different aliases when he was dealing with Ukrainian policy, that all merits some suspicion, you think? (laughs) Though these allegations don't prove the president did anything illegal, 
He noted these claims suggest Biden was aware of Hunter's dealings and wanted to keep his son in the loop. One could dismiss this as simply another tawdry example. I use that term all the time, tawdry. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He's a D.C. journalist. Anyway, one could dismiss this as simply another tawdry example of access peddling. Maybe that's all it is, but only a complete investigation can ensure that it's nothing worse. Now, why would there be, my question to him, why would there be access peddling if there wasn't illegal activity being considered and contemplated? Look what they're doing to Donald Trump on just unbelievable, unsubstantiated allegations. And he's got four massive pending indictments against him that are full of dozens and dozens of charges that one or two of would put him in prison for a long time. So Olson continued, Hunter selling access to his dad is disreputable, but completely legal. That's not true. Mr. Olson, that's not true. I'll read it again. He said, Hunter selling access to his father is disreputable, but completely legal. Similarly, Joe Biden participating in meetings that his son asked him to attend would constitute questionable judgment, but not illegal conduct. It depends on the nature of these meetings and these conversations. The trouble comes, Olson said, if it moved beyond that to a shared business relationship in which the vice president was an active partner. Recently, the Washington Post has become more critical regarding Biden and his relation to his son's business deals. August 12th, the editorial board acknowledged that critics are justified to think that Hunter was given special treatment during his investigation and that Biden's record is not spotless. If they call this being real journalists, oh my God, what in the world is going on in journalism? This stuff was being reported by conservative media five years ago. What they're saying now might be. Yeah, the stuff they're saying actually is. It's been around for five years and they don't listen to anybody. They just circle and look at and read and talk to people that are like-minded, forget about any outside facts. This is the strongest, most watched, listened to, read group of media outlets on the planet. And these people haven't even come close to awakening to what's been going on under our noses. We've got to wake up. Everybody's got to wake up, and we've got to ring the bell, whatever bell is necessary to get people to awaken. Congressman Johnson, he mentioned Kevin McCarthy. They're real close, good friends. I have some questions in the past and some problems with Kevin McCarthy. The Freedom Caucus, the uh, that group, really, really conservative, hardcore conservative group in the House, We're coming up to September. we got to have a budget. 
we got to have something out there or we're going to get government locked down with no money again. The Freedom Caucus put out a list of things we talked about it on yesterday's show that are adamantly got to happens for them to support any budget spending bill that McCarthy's coming out with in September. McCarthy said, again during this um, recess time they're in in the House, that the House could launch impeachment inquiry when we get back in session. He said, somebody's lying in this process, you think? And the only thing I realize here is the only stories that have not changed are the whistleblowers, the ones that came in from the IRS. Their story has held up time and again, and it really looks like there's two justice systems here. If the Biden administration continues to fight and withhold information that could really clear all this up, did they take bribes? Did they deal in the business? If they hold that up, we would have to move to an impeachment inquiry. While you know that gives the apex of power to Congress when it comes to our subpoena power and others to get documents we need, bank statements, credit card statements, and others. Show us where the money went. Show us where you taking money from outside sources came from and where it went and to whom. And that would clear most of this up, but they seem to fight it every step of the way. If you get caught cheating, if you get caught lying, if you get caught stealing, human nature says cover it up, especially in politics. Don't ever admit it. Never, ever admit you're wrong or you did something wrong. Never do that. If these Republicans if they think they are going to be able to get any cooperation voluntarily out of the other side, you guys just just need to go to the House. It is not going to happen. The Democrat Party is on a universal trek. They're all signed on to, and they're not going to change it. What their purpose is and what all of this points to is, as I said to Congressman Johnson a few minutes ago, to create a permanent, forever, ever historical, a permanent majority in Congress, controlling the White House, controlling all the bureaucratic positions of power in D.C., exclusively by the Democrat Party. 25, 30, 40 years ago, What everybody was after in D.C. was money, because with money you can get everything else, right? That changed since the turn of the century. What it has changed into is power. Give me power. I'm going to seize power because they know now, yeah, with power you get money, but you get everything else too. It's all part of the picture. This isn't anywhere close to being resolved or over. The corruption in the Biden family syndicate, the corruption in the Department of Justice, the FBI, it's nowhere near finished. 
all of the swamp creatures that comprise those or are or, or part of those groups I just mentioned, including the Senate, the House, they're all fighting for their lives. And they're not going to give up. They have a sweet deal. Name one member of the United States Congress, just one, that's broke today. That's 535 people. Can you think of one? Name one who went to the House of Representatives in their career and left penniless. Same question about U.S. senators. Same question about leadership in the Department of Justice. People go there to cement their financial futures. And unless you're an idiot and you don't, you just refuse to play the game, you're going to come out filthy rich, set for the rest of your life, as will many people in your circle. Look at the Hunter Biden situation. He brings, Hunter, he brings nothing to the table. Yet he was paid by just one company, one company, Burisma, $83,333.33 a month for a year. In another year, that's a million dollars each year. What did he know about the natural gas industry? Squat. He knew one thing that was worth $83,333.33 a month. What was that? He knew how to give anybody in Burisma access to his father, then vice president of the United States of America. Now, why would that be something somebody was willing to pay a million dollars a year to get. Unless it comes with things that they want from the American people and the vice president could open that door. I cannot even get past that in this conversation. There's no reason. I know legally Congressman is a a very well-established, knowledgeable constitutional attorney, and he basically feels the same angst that you and I feel about this just going on and on and on and on and nothing happening. I get it. But the American people must wake up and realize this will continue to happen unless and until the people of the United States take it back. We the people are the ones that have the power to do it, and we're the ones that must do it, must do it. Now, all this stuff that we've listened to through the months, coming out of Joe Biden's mouth, other people in his circle, Democrats about it, and over and over and over again, we hear it, and it's just plain lies. Listen to this conversation about that very thing. Kellyanne Conway's part of this. Joining me now is Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary, as well as Kellyanne Conway, former senior counsel to President Trump. Both are Fox News contributors. Kellyanne, I know you remember this trip to Puerto Rico. You might as well have thought that that you know Melania had said something incredibly cruel to the victims of the hurricanes there, but they stayed on that story about her coat for, I think this went on for almost two weeks. 
Well, the message on her coat was for was the, at the border, media, yeah. and it occurred after she had been at the border visiting with yeah. children. But that was for the mainstream media. That aside, this is the essence of who Joe Biden is. He got elected in 2020 on a false premise. I'm a moderate. I'm a unifier. I'm compassionate. I can get the job done. I'm empathetic. I've been in government for half a century. Therefore, I can dispense resources to people in need, like if they ever suffer from the America's greatest fire in Maui. But I don't want to excuse his conduct, Laura. I'm sick of people saying these are gaffes that he exaggerates, he embellishes. These are flat-out lies. And who is around him to stop him? Do you know how long of a flight it is to Hawaii? We all know that. Tell the guy, hey, don't mention the house fire thing again like you did in October 2022 when people were suffering from a hurricane because it made no sense and it's a lie. The other thing to note about uh, Joe Biden on this is uh, the Gold Star Mom, I think this is the one that really has people upset. The Gold Star Mom made a Gold Star Mom because of his chaotic and irrational withdrawal from Afghanistan two years ago this month. She said her heart started beating fast and she started just staring into space because he said to her, Jill and I know something about your loss. Our son also came home in a flake drag, a flake, a flag trade coffin. Yeah. Excuse me. It is tragic that Bo Biden died of cancer. But as the Gold Star mom said, he didn't die in combat. He died of cancer in Delaware. That is yeah. tragic, no doubt. But she said at least you had a chance to be with him at the end. You robbed us of that chance. So he lies for the sake of lying. And by the way, when you're a leader, especially President of the United States, Ari knows this, he was there. Can you use the word I a lot less than Joe Biden does? Yeah, I think all politicians need to do that. Ari, um, Biden's trip was covered by CNN this way. He did serve as empathizer in chief after five days of being mostly silent on the issue publicly. But the governor said he was working behind the scenes to assure uh, first responders that the feds had their back on this. Uh, he shared the stories we're familiar with of losing his daughter and wife and wondering if his sons had survived a, a car accident early in his political career. And that's what so many people here are going through now. Ari, this is so brazen at this point. I yeah. mean, the lies keep piling up. And the media know their lies or they're totally ignorant uh, and they never call them on it. This is I, I, this is astounding. Yeah, Laura, what bothers me so much is Joe Biden is not an empathetic man. He's a selfish man. He's a selfish man, an old man who all he knows how to do is press play. He presses play on the same old broken tunes he's been telling for decades. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. And when someone is in the middle of bereavement, you know what they want to hear? They don't want to hear that you also had something. They don't want to hear you compare your tragedy, even if it's a kitchen fire, to their real fire. They want to hear about you. They want you to express their sympathy about what they're going through, their loss, not your cat, not your Corvette. That's what they want to hear from the president. And as for him comparing it to his house fire, I was thinking that'd be like on September 11th, George Bush or me saying that I understand what mm -hmm. the nation's going through because somebody once broke onto my front porch and stole a package. You know, Joe mm -hmm. Biden is just out of touch with what people think if he thinks it's about himself and his kitchen fire. Do you sh see and hear the exasperation? I mean, Laura Ingram. Kellyanne Conway, Ari Fleischer, these are people that have been around for decades watching, listening, learning about the landscape of Washington, D.C., and those who occupy the seats of power up there. They understand it. They cannot believe that the political process today allows 
a Joe Biden to do all the things that he's doing and getting away with it and making no difference whatsoever. He's a puppet, nothing else. Nobody wants to talk about that. You know why? Nobody knows who's the puppet master, who's pulling his strings, who's telling him what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go, what to say, what not to say. But it is somebody that's doing it. And I'm going to assume something, and bear with me, I'm going to assume it's purposeful. What they're doing is being done when it's done, how it's done, where and with whom it's done. It's all preplanned. It's part of one huge big picture with many, many, many people playing roles in it. And it is orchestrated masterfully. The objective to kneecap the United States of America, to keep us down, to keep us guessing, not knowing who's really pulling all the strings. We're all being used. Americans today are being used. Your resources, your availability, your thoughts, your tax dollars, everything that you are and you have and you do is rolled in to a big landscape of operating this nation. And the Democrat Party, and I'll just go ahead and say it, Barack Obama, they're together determining what this government, they want it to look like. And they pushed us not down the slope, but they pushed us over to the edge. And we're about to slide And I think if we start sliding down into their panacea, we'll never be able to get this nation back. Listen to what Joe, and and what I'm about to tell you, this is happening right now today. Joe didn't have anything to do with this. Listen, you know, we have our commerce secretary that's going to China. Everybody in the United States in the Biden administration, they think Xi Jinping and other of their counterparts in the Chinese government give a rip about what we say. They don't care about any of us. They just look at us as something and somebody they can get something for China from. Today, well, actually, yesterday, listen to what the Biden administration did. They removed dozens of Chinese companies from a trade restriction list. They did it yesterday. Why did they do it yesterday? Our U.S. Commerce Department, our secretary, Gina Raimondo, is flying to China today to meet with their economy folks in the Chinese government. And they want to go with something nice to give to the Chinese people so they think we're really willing to give in to Xi Jinping and communist China. Raimondo is going to meet with Chinese officials and American business leaders to talk about issues relating to the U.S.-China commercial relationship, challenges faced by U.S. businesses, and areas for potential cooperation. That, of course, is a press release giving the announced departure. 
the Commerce Department Bureau of Industry and Security removed 27 Chinese companies from its unverified list the same day of the announcement. That makes it easier for those companies to trade with the United States. We welcome the U.S. decision to remove Chinese entities from the unverified list. That's from Liu Pingyu, spokesman for China's embassy in the U.S., in a tweet yesterday. It shows that China and the U.S. can address specific concerns through communication based on mutual respect. China will continue to firmly defend its lawful rights and its interests. So this list, what it's about, foreign companies registered on this list are subject to enhanced trade restrictions and greater transparency requirements with the U.S., according to their website. Companies are placed on the list if the U.S. cannot verify their legitimacy for the end use or end user of items they receive exports from. In other words, these are people that we don't want to do business with. 27 Chinese companies were removed from the unverified list within hours of the announcement that we were going to go. Ramundo's Beijing visit comes just a month after her email server, by the way, along with other servers in the Commerce and State Department, was hacked by a Chinese-based hacking group that targeted dozens of global organizations over a months-long cyber attack campaign. I wonder, I wonder if Ramundo will bring that up in the conversations that she has. <laughs> you know the answer to that. We all do. They wouldn't dare. Those Chinese people are sitting in the driver's seat, and they know it. They know they have Joe Biden and the other minions that work for him and the U.S. government. They have them right where they want them. We need China more than China needs us. I don't think that's factual, but that's what they have sold John Kerry, our Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, all of them have been over there. Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, all these people have gone over there and China has turned them into being believers about the Chinese power. And then there's other stuff going on. Fox News' Harris Faulkner yesterday. She went after former Biden campaign surrogate Kevin Walling in a conversation about Joe Biden's failed trip to Maui. I don't think Joe's ever going to shake this trip to Maui. Couldn't have handled it worse. He went for a couple of hours on Monday after those wildfires have killed more than 100 people, still between 800 and 1,000 unaccounted for. While speaking to locals there, Biden told those residents who lost everything he understood their struggle. He once was involved in a kitchen fire in his home. And you've heard the story over and over and over again. But I just want you to, in the context of knowing these people he was speaking to, many of them lost children, parents, spouses, relatives, friends, lost businesses. They all lost their homes. Peter Ducey, yesterday, 
he kind of um, put it in perspective. Listen to this, and you'll hear President Biden in the middle of this soundbite. We begin this hour with this. The president and the first lady are back on vacation now after a few hours down in Maui. Right. During his visit, President Biden tried to relate to wildfire victims by sharing a story, mostly fictional, about a 2004 kitchen fire he had. Peter Ducey is live at the White House where the president is not, and he joins us live. Peter? And I've heard President Biden tell this story a couple different times, usually when he is talking to the firefighters' unions. The official account from about 20 years ago is of a small fire that was contained to a kitchen and put out in about 20 minutes. But the president's version of this story last night included the term losing a home. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. And lightning struck at home on a little lake. It's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. As the president talks firehouse, the former President Trump is talking jailhouse. President Trump posted on his social network platform, quote, I'll be going to Atlanta, Georgia on Thursday to be arrested by a radical left district attorney, Fannie Willis. This is in strict coordination with crooked Joe Biden's DOJ. It is all about election interference. He could have gone at any time, but that is the Trump way of trying to reclaim a news cycle from the eight Republicans who actually plan to show up to the debate the night before. Now a question around here becomes, what will the TVs be turned to at President Biden's Lake Tahoe rental? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Harris, uh, Harris Faulkner on Outnumber. Here's how she commented about what Joe said about the kitchen fire. Quote, we are looking at a pathological narcissist at this point. Adding that Biden had a legitimate example when he spoke of his late first wife and daughter who were killed in a car crash in the 70s. Who is on his staff, Faulkner asked, slamming Biden's staffers for allowing the president to get back on a plane to his vacation rather than staying in Maui a little bit longer. I just can't get past the fact that these are people that lost everything, everything, including people. They have no hope. And Biden, with all his prestige and power, the day after he sent another couple of hundred million dollars to Ukraine, he announced bragging about it. Hey, we're going to help the people of Lahaina and Maui. We're going to give each family, not each person, each family, a one-time $700 check to help them get through this horror that they're facing. And to insult them even more, did you hear what we reported yesterday? When these people got to the FEMA outpost where FEMA was set up to help these people over there, these are Biden's people from D.C. in FEMA. When they got up to talk to these people about what they needed to get their $700 check, they wouldn't give them the checks. You know why? Because they couldn't provide proof of identity. Things like 
driver's license, or birth certificates. And you know why they couldn't provide them? Because they'd burned up. Does that sound like somebody that you want to be president of the United States? I don't see how it happened. I don't even see. Joe Biden's, he's been known for many, many, many years, 50 years in D.C., 50 plus. He's no different today than he was. He cannot tell the truth, refuses to. I used to say Adam Schiff is the epitome of the definition of somebody that is a pathological liar. What that means is they're lying continuously. It's actually part of their biology. But Joe Biden, he makes Adam Schiff look like a Boy Scout. Let's move on. Indiana Indiana has a pro-life law, and it's going to take effect after the state Supreme Court denied a rehearing. Somebody had filed a case against the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana on Monday. The denial of the rehearing means the ban will take effect June the 30th, ruling upholding the ban is certified, a procedural step expected to just take a few days. That's from the court. The Indiana Supreme Court ruled on June 30th the pro-life law does not violate the state constitution. But the ACLU of Indiana, representing Planned Parenthood, of course, and other abortionists, had filed a petition for a rehearing to block the law, which delayed the certification of the court's ruling while it considered granting that petition. In a 4-1 decision Monday, the court reaffirmed its order that Planned Parenthood and other health care providers cannot show a reasonable likelihood of success with their challenge to the abortion restrictions. So the ACLU, the Indiana Executive Director Jane Hinegar, decried the court's decision in a statement said Monday was a dark day in the state's history. Why? Why would it be a dark day in the state's history? That comes from people that are okay with just killing babies. No biggie. And the American people get it on the most part. So we can get into the Biden graft and corruption. Do we want to get (laughs) into that? We could spend the whole show every day, every show this week doing just that. If you were here at the top of the show, we had Congressman Mike Johnson aboard with us. And some of the stuff we talked about was this mess going on in the Biden family syndicate. We now have Hunter Biden. He um, he had a sweetheart plea agreement worked out with David Weiss, the federal prosecutor up in Delaware. And it crashed principally because of the testimony of those two IRS whistleblowers Weiss, we found out yesterday, his plan was, before the whistleblower showed up, he wasn't going to charge Hunter with anything. Hunter was going to skate on everything. So guess what else turns up? At least seven prosecutors in the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office. Now that's where David Weiss is the boss. At least seven other prosecutors in his office 
donated to Democrats during the Hunter Biden probe. Raising concerns of partisanship and preferential treatment, you think? As scrutiny mounts on special counsel David Weiss, who serves as U.S. Attorney for Delaware and agreed to sweetheart plea deal with Hunter Biden after five years of investigating, a Washington Examiner analysis found that at least seven other prosecutors in Weiss's office donated to Democrats. Not one prosecutor donated to a Republican. The partisan donations come as many within that office appear to have not only Democrat ties, but deep ties to the Bidens. According to the Washington Post, Weiss spent years working with Hunter's late older brother, Bo, who was then Delaware Attorney General. In addition, former Deputy Counsel to then Vice President Biden, Alexander Mackler, served as an Assistant United States Attorney for Delaware alongside Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf, who worked on the criminal probe into Hunter Biden and allegedly politically influenced the DOJ's probe into the president's son. Mackler's history with Joe includes working as Bo Biden's campaign manager for Delaware Attorney General. Joe Biden then appointed Mackler as deputy counsel to the vice president from September 2014 to August 2016. How could they ever let these people get put together in some kind of official status. They're all in the tank with and for each other. During his tenure at the office of U.S. Attorney for Delaware, Mackler and Hunter, they talked all the time. Love you, brother. That was an email to Hunter from Mackler in 2018. Daniel Logan, a prosecutor in Weiss's office until early this year, was also close with the Biden family before he worked at the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office. Logan worked for Bo Biden before his 2015 death in Maryland. Logan's relationship with the Bidens encompassed writing an email to Hunter thanking him for a donation the president's son made in his name. I can't begin to tell you how I appreciate both Julia and I are for all of the good times you and your family have been there for us. You're a good friend. I greatly appreciate it. Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf, another one who worked on the Hunter Biden probe. IRS whistleblower alleged Wolf refused to allow investigators to ask about Joe Biden being the big guy and cautioned the investigation team not to search Joe's guest house in Delaware for evidence against Hunter Biden because of the optics. It would look bad. We have people that are buried in ashes from a fire in Maui, possibly 800 more people, over 100 verified dead from a fire. These people lose everything. Their lives will never be the same. And here we are exhaustively spending thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours, 
millions of taxpayer dollars needlessly chasing squirrels around Washington, D.C., and trying to get everybody that's had their hand in the cookie jar and got caught, give them a way out not to be held accountable for anything, and those people out in Maui, compare the two circumstances. The people of the United States are the most thoughtful, the most giving, the most honest people in the world when it comes to working with other people and people from other nations. And yet we have Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, David Weiss, Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, and I know some of these entities listen to this show. So I'm probably in the line of fire, but it really doesn't matter. This all needs to be about people, just people. It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) heard that before you deserve to save i know i need you to hear me you deserve to save i deserve to save i mean he has a way of making you feel seen bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com ready to take your jenga skills to the next level if you are an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks then build up the competition in new jenga maker play in teams to finish first and claim the crown Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. So after maybe 5 million, maybe 10 million, who knows the real number, but after millions of illegals have at the behest and the invitation of Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of DHS, all these millions of people, they're all over the nation, inside, around. They're all illegal. That means they're not supposed to be here. And Democrats, I mean, look at the leaders in these big cities around the nation, almost to a person. They're all in. They're proud to call their cities sanctuary cities. But all of a sudden, they're finding out the cost of lawlessness that is being borne in large part by these big sanctuary cities is more than they thought they were going to have to sustain. 
and they're pushing back. Democrats and sanctuary city officials around the, war- the nation are reportedly complaining to Joe about the growing cost of illegal immigration. Five million? We don't know the number, but they think they're being told that it's at least five million illegals have been encountered along the U.S.-Mexico border since Joe took office. According to a number of current and former administration officials, those representing sanctuary cities like New York City, New York, Chicago, Illinois, have said illegal immigration is crippling their public infrastructure, their social services, and immigration courts. New York City, for example. This is just one. More than 100,000 border crossers and illegals arrived since the spring of last year in the Big Apple. Those sanctuary city officials in the establishment media, they have sought to pin the migration on Texas Governor Greg Abbott. He's only bussed about 12,000 migrants to New York City. In every part of New York, the system is strained. That's coming from a Biden official. Wow. Somebody in Biden's office is cognizant of what's going on? The courts are backlogged. There are lines outside the ICE office. Shelters are full. It's just too many people. So I would think, I'm a pragmatic guy, I would think there's an easy fix, wouldn't you? Just stop the illegal, stop that train. Stop it all. Tell them they can't come. But rather than stop illegal immigration in its tracks and in the administration's catch-and-release network, Democrats are urging Biden to simply give work permits to these border crossers and illegals when they're released into the U.S. interior and provide them with TPS. You need to learn that. That's the representation of the words temporary protected status. Now, what comes with that? They can't be deported for being here illegally. But if you give them work permits, let's see, 5 million, it's probably more like 10. If half of those people, 5 million of those people get uh, those work permits, what jobs are they going to take? Where are they going to work? Some legal American is going to be put on the bench. While Biden officials have said the work permit plan would likely be ruled illegal by the federal courts, they also admitted that the TPS, Temporary Protected Status, is a pull factor for illegal aliens at the border. So since taking office at the beginning of 2021. Subcommittee on Immigration Integrity, Security, and Enforcement Chairman Tom McClintock estimates that Biden has added an illegal alien population to the U.S. that is equivalent to the populations of Nebraska and Hawaii. And I think he's short. I believe it's more than what McClintock thinks. You've already released more than 2.1 million immigrants into this country since you took office. That's a population the size of the state of Nebraska. That's McClintock talking to DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas last month. 
While the Border Patrol has been consumed by taking names and changing diapers at the border, one and a half million known gotaways have illegally entered the country as well. That's an additional illegal population the size of the state of Hawaii. That's McClintock again. The cost to Americans is enormous. Annually, the 11 to 22 million illegal aliens living here cost taxpayers more than $150 billion. $150 billion, with a B. That amount, though, doesn't include any of the social and economic costs, like higher housing prices, depleted wages, lost jobs, increased crime, strained public resources at hospitals and schools that are associated with illegal immigration. We tell you all these stories. We give you these horror stories, these quotes from these experts. Oh, look how bad it is. Look what's going on. Nobody's doing anything about it. It's not going to change unless the reasoning, everything about it has got to change or it's just going to keep on going. And it's going to come to this at some point. There's going to be a massive explosion and people are going to be hurt desperately. I don't know who, how, or what, but people will only take this lawlessness so long and then they're going to begin to push back. And we shouldn't have to. No American should have to worry about what happens when lawlessness impacts them directly. How can I say that? It's because from Joe Biden down, Merrick Garland, Attorney General down, Alejandro Mayorkas, head of DHS, from him down, they don't enforce immigration laws. If you were with us this morning at the top of the show, you heard me give the number to Congressman Mike Johnson that in two years alone, in Texas alone, there were six 100,000 felony acts of some kind committed against Texans. Two years, Texas only, 600,000 felonies committed by illegals in Texas alone. How many more around the nation? This used to be a southern border issue, but these illegals, they're settling in towns and neighborhoods across the America, east to west, north to south, they're everywhere among us. It wouldn't be so bad if we had an inkling, just an inkling of who it encompasses, who they really are, their histories. Are they legitimate? Are they good people? Are they hardened criminals that came here just to get away from being held accountable for their lawlessness in the countries from which they came? We don't have any idea. And Alejandro Mayorkas, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, they don't give a rip. It doesn't directly impact any of them. So as long as it doesn't bother them, they're just going to go with the flow. And you and I pay the price. And that's okay too. Because they're the enlightened ones. They're the ones that are in charge. And they're the ones that have the right, the sole right, to do all this stuff. It's just nauseating. Let me give, let me give you an example. 
You know who the squad is. Those are those hardcore leftists that number among the 435 members in the U.S. House of Representatives. Alejandro, not Alejandro, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, the rest of them, Tlaib and others. They, because of the George Floyd stuff and what happened up in um, Minnesota, they decided that we needed to get rid of cops, period. That we needed to turn law enforcement over to social people that could come in and talk to these people that doing these egregious things, you know, like burning cities down, stabbing and shooting and killing people, like you're going to talk those people into being good citizens using your social expertise. Anyway, they came after, and they were very successful in getting a bunch of police operations around the nation to cancel in part a huge section of their law enforcement. But guess who this didn't impact? It didn't impact the members of the squad. In fact, they had a way around it. Now then, members of the squad, well, as you may know, they've been calling to defund the police for for years and years and years. But we find they are using campaign money for their own police protection. Who are we talking about? How much are we talking about? Uh, $1.2 million um, in campaign cash used for private security of nine squad members. So that's the total. Corey Bush spent the most, 730000 AOC, second most, 272000 And Elon Omar at one hundred twenty-five. Um, the timing is interesting. Almost all of that $1.2 million was doled out after May of 2020. What happened in that year? The George Floyd police killing. What happened after that? The defund the police movement. They all ascribed to that. They rallied for it. And then they went and used campaign money to hire their own personal security guards. That's hypocritical. Defund for thee, but not Not for for me. me. Got it. Now, if I'm a contributor to any of these campaigns, I promise you, when I wrote that check, nobody came up to me and said, hey, Mr. Newman, would you write us a check for $1,000 Representative so-and-so, she needs some more private security. And we're reaching out to people that are supporters of hers and asking them to give a little more. You think they did any of that? No, they never did that. They asked for campaign contributions. And sadly, them using it for personal security is legitimate by law. They could do that with no no penalty whatsoever, even though I can promise you not a single person that gave them $100 or $1,000 knew that all or part of the money they were campaigning, donating, was going to be used for private security, especially when these people are up screaming and hollering in their districts, we got to defund the cops. And defunding the cops in part all across the nation. It happened. And some of these localities are still in that mode. Uh, Why would lawlessness, why would our numbers be so ramped up over the last three years? Well, it would be because of the push against law enforcement to hold lawbreakers accountable across the nation. 
It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure this stuff out. And certainly there aren't many brain surgeons that number among the members of the, uh, the squad. I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm just saying um, it's happening, and it's happening for a reason. Haven't mentioned since our conversation with um, Congressman Mike Johnson at the top of the show, hadn't talked about any of the Donald Trump stuff going on. As you know, in Atlanta, Georgia, a bunch of other people besides Trump are named in that indictment. Jenna Ellis happens to be one. Jenna Ellis was an attorney that worked with Donald Trump at the time. She's one of 18 co-defendants who were indicted with the former president last week on charges of racketeering. Racketeering. It'll never stick, but it's charged. Now, let me just point something out to you. For those of you who haven't had any sachet through the cost of litigation, I've never been in this situation that Jenna Ellis finds herself in. I hope I never am. But I do know this. It's a little cheaper to defend yourself in a local case in Atlanta, Georgia, than to be charged at the federal level. But it will be and is today for all of those people, those 18 co-defendants, they've already spent tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars getting everybody and everything lined up to defend them in this charade that's going to play out And it's all part of that witch hunt to get Donald Trump and Georgia. It's a political thing. It's all about politics. It's a campaign thing. Ellis spoke exclusively to Breitbart News on Sunday in addressing this extraordinary indictment, which has been widely panned as excessive and unnecessary, even by critics of former President Trump. Fulton County DA, Fannie Willis, she's the culprit in this whole thing. She's running for re-election. She ran using this as her tool. I'm going to get Donald Trump and all the henchmen and henchwomen that were with him to do what they did to the voters in Georgia. Fannie Willis charged Ellis, Jenna Ellis, with two counts, one of violating the RICO statute, which is racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations, RICO Act, and the other charge, solicitation of violation of oath by public officer. In this whole thing, Ellis is described in the indictment as having appeared, spoken, and presented witnesses at meetings in, listen to this, meetings in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, and Georgia, So in other words, she presented witnesses in those meetings. She's being charged for doing that. Also, as having encouraged legislators to appoint alternate electors to the Electoral College and having written memoranda on the constitutional grounds for the vice president to reject the Electoral College votes of contested states, all of which seem to be constitutionally protected actions. With no suggestion, Ellis had participated in any conspiracy other than the Trump campaign. 
Now, when you put all this stuff in context and you start peeling away the layers of the onion, you find out really quickly there is no substance to this thing. This is all about one thing and one thing only. Campaign. Campaign. Fanny, she wants a higher office. She wants to be attorney general of the state of Georgia or even higher than that. So Ellis, though she couldn't talk about the specifics of her strategy, she said that Republicans had to fight these indictments while taking the moral high road in the long term. We can't have a response that says, okay, we are then going to go after the Democrats with the same sort of weaponization just because they did this to us. That would be tearing down the protections of the Constitution. We have to take the better path, the conservative path. Let me stop. I want to say this about what Janella said. Obviously, I respect her because she's doing things the right way. She's operating as her conscience tells her to. But most of the people in the world don't think like that. Most people don't think like everything's equal. Everybody's supposed to treat everybody. In fact, biblically, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Most people don't adhere to that. They want to go get a pound of flesh and they want to get it for free or at least for cheap and not expect to get anything back, quid pro quo kind of stuff. If we conservatives don't push back, maybe not as nastily, maybe not as diligently or loudly, but push back substantively against each and every one of these such things, they're never going to stop. It'll never stop until you pour water over the bully's head and you totally embarrass the bully beyond comprehension. The bully's still going to be doing what the bully is always going to do. And that won't change. Now, by the way, Ellis, she's a supporter of Ron DeSantis in the upcoming Republican presidential primary. She added that she would have liked to have seen him speak out more forcefully against the indictment targeting Trump and others. She brought up her Christian faith in this interview over the weekend, providing her the confidence to face the charges against her. She noted she was raising funds for her defense through a Give, Sin, Go page. And that just tells you exactly what I said at the top of this story. It's expensive as heck to get into these kind of legal battles. And all of these leftists, they have these leftist organizations that just pile up cash in the way of donations, ACLU and others, to help these leftists in these efforts that they have. And they go through. It's really hard that in many cases, if you want to defend your name, your character, your reputation, sometimes you have to be willing to go broke doing it if you feel like you want to do it. And my hat's off to people that always stick to the right stuff, making sure they're doing the right things, getting the right stuff given back to them and pushing back against wrongdoing and those who are doing wrong. 
me give you an example of that. MSNBC contributor and Washington Post columnist, a guy named Eugene Robinson, yesterday he was on Morning Joe on MSNBC. And what he said on the show, I wanted to make sure you heard. He said that a whole lot of people in Iowa are going to hell. A whole lot of people in Iowa are going to hell. Now, what's he talking about? I started to say, what the hell is he talking about? The panel discussed a brand new CBS News YouGov poll that's out showing that MAGA voters trust former President Trump more than anybody else, including family members and clergy. So I'm going to give you some of the back and forth between Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski and Robinson. Joe said this, We've been hearing, Gene, for so long that Iowa voters are deeply religious. Oh, they're truly Christian evangelicals. Oh, if you go to Iowa, then you love Jesus so much. And Mika said, Come on, Scarborough. No, we've been hearing that since Pat Robertson won in 1988. Maybe he came in second. I don't remember. But we've been hearing they're so righteous. Oh, now what do we find out who they trust? A four-time indicted reality TV show host who a New York judge called a rapist who bragged about sexually molesting women, saying that it's the way it's always been and maybe that's a good thing. He doesn't know whether it's good or not. Twice as many of these voters. Brzezinski said, porn star. Scarborough, porn star payoff illegal? You know, I'm talking like 41 porn star payoff illegal, but now twice as many of them basically say, we trust that guy over a minister of Jesus Christ. Robinson said, yeah, Scarborough, in scene. Go, Gene. Robinson, no, I mean... It's just what these numbers suggest is that a whole lot of people in Iowa are going to hell, right? They're not going to be redeemed. Scarborough, he's joking, Iowa people. Robinson, that is an incredible figure from that poll that people trust Trump over their clergy. And it does make you wonder, like, what are you, what are you, how are you thinking of your Christianity? How are you thinking of your faith to get to that point? Now, let me put this in perspective for you. This is my opinion, and I have the right to have one, as do you. I respect yours. You respect mine. Maybe not agree with me, and that's okay. We all have opinions and the right to have them. Here's my say-so, and I explain it this way. When Trump was elected back in 2016, became president in 2017, my brother, my older brother, was really upset, not with the president being president, but his messaging, the things that he said, talking down to people, talking about other people. And he wrote a letter and asked me to send it up line, hoping I could get it to Trump. I got it to Ivanka, not to Joe, uh, not to Donald. I don't know if he saw it. I know Ivanka opened and read it, but it basically said, Mr. President, support you 100%. I've got a lot of evangelical friends that they teeter on the line of supporting you or not based upon the demeaning things that you are so prone to say from time to time about other people. And I'm paraphrasing what was in the letter. 
And I agree totally. I've said this a million times on this show. I can't stand the way Donald Trump messages most of his stuff. What he says is fine, but the way he says it, I think all the time, man, if he could only rephrase that, he would alienate a whole bunch fewer people than he's alienating. But then about six months into the presidency, when I saw all the things begin to fall in place that Trump told us when he was campaigning he was going to do if elected, and it were the good things. And we instantly saw the effects of those good things, hardworking, honest accomplishments, and it was built on only what's best for the American people. Had nothing to do with politics, had nothing to do with politicians, but it had to do with righteousness, the rule of law, and we the people. And I realized one thing. Average Americans, maybe not the evangelicals that my big brother was talking about, but average American people, they live out in the world. This kind of messaging resonates with them. And I started thinking it through. You know where Donald Trump, where he cut his teeth in becoming a a man? Queens in New York. Have you ever been to Queens? Have you spent any time interacting with people that live and work in Queens? Very blue collar, very, very in your face, very honest about everything. If they feel one way, you're going to know immediately. And not only did he live in that, not only did he survive in that, he became a billionaire by working in those kind of environments his entire adult life for 50 years. Those people get him. Those people understand him. And I think we the people, we need to take notes from that. We need to quit looking at what people say and start watching and paying attention only to what they do. Two completely different things. And for me, I'm going to weigh in, I'm going to vote for, I'm going to support the doers over the promisers. And you're going to hear and see a bunch of the promisers tonight coming out of that first debate that Fox News is hosting. Donald Trump's not going to be on the stage. I understand him not being there. He's going to be attacked even though he's not there. There are people that are running on the Republican side that can't stand him, and they're getting paid big bucks just to go up there and take shots at Donald Trump. If they do that, whoever does that, I will predict now, they probably won't be on the next debate stage because them attacking the man, the former president, the one that did more for those people's lives during his four years as president than has any other president in my lifetime, if you start attacking him for social things, for messaging, those people are going to tune you out instantly. I promise. And even Republicans, many Republicans don't understand that. 
morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Join the Truth News Net Army of the Informed. Be on the cutting edge when a new story is posted at TNN. Sign up at the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. We never share, we never sell your email. The only thing we're selling is the truth. Join the TNN family today. We're growing from Bangor, Maine to Saigon, from Berlin to Moscow, from Rio Linda to Krakow, Poland, from Sevilla, Spain to McAllen, Texas, and Caribou Landing, Canada, from Salzburg, Zurich, and Milan to Shreveport, Louisiana, and all points in between. TNN has been named the single most important source of conservative American political news by the University of Moscow. It's regularly heard in Washington, D.C., and every major capital on every continent. Be part of this mass migration from propaganda to truth. Sign up today. Thanks for being a part of our worldwide family. TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. for workout gear. Leave feeling empowered. Come in for snack time. Leave more fulfilled. Because when you shop at Target, you leave with what you value most, like healthy foods for your family and brands that lift our communities. At Target, the things that matter are always within reach. What we value most shouldn't cost more. So while you and I have been doing our thing, Joe Biden going to Maui, going back to uh, Lake Tahoe, staying in that bazillionaire's house, another vacation for Joe. Yeah. He's had one each of the last three weeks. Only president in history that has been on vacation for 50% of his term in office. So what's Joe doing in the meantime? He's not doing this. Somebody that works with him and for him is. He restored, very quietly yesterday, Obama-era restrictions on offshore drilling. Now stay with me. The Biden administration restored more stringent Obama-era offshore drilling rules that the Trump administration rolled back after the oil and gas industry said the rules would hamper future development and production. The Interior Department announced yesterday that it has finalized a well-controlled rule that it says is going to enhance worker safety and ensure offshore oil and gas operations are conducted, quote, to the highest oversight and safety standards. Now, what does that mean? That's gobbledygook. What it means is Big Brother, Joe, Deb Hallen, the Interior Secretary, what they're going to do is crack down and 
We're going to put in these stringent rules that you've got to adhere to. It's going to cost you a buttload full of more money. You're not going to be able to make the money that you thought you were going to make and that you have been making. And we want, you need to keep this in the back of your mind, we want the fossil fuel industry to die. So Deb Helen, I already told you she's the interior secretary, and a guy named Kevin Sly, who's the director of the Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement, they released a joint statement yesterday that the new rules were informed in part by lessons from the Deepwater Horizon incident that happened back in 2010 in which the BP well blowout killed 11 workers, cost billions of dollars for Gulf Coast restoration. Now, before I pontificate, let me tell you what these people said. This is Mr. Sly. Finalizing this rule will enable BSEE to continue to put the lives and livelihoods of workers first, as well as the protection of our waters and marine habitats. The new rule brings back the vast majority of the Obama-era protections, including real-time drilling, monitoring, more stringent safety requirement for blowout preventer systems, which is a final barrier to loss of well control as it keeps pressurized oil and gas from bursting out. Now, what is this referencing? You remember that BP blowout in the Gulf? 2010, 2010, 13 years ago. How many such incidents have we had since then in any waters around the U.S.? Zero. And they're just doing this rule 13 years later? What is this all about? It's to ratchet down on the control of oil and gas production by the Biden administration. Now, in the meantime, you don't see any uh, whales on their backs floating around in the water and washing up on the beaches around the United States because of oil well production, do you? Where do you see these? You see them where the Biden administration and previously the Obama administration put out massive numbers of these big wind turbines, these turbine farms, and it's messing with the lives of these whales and they're dying in the dozens. And these environmentalist folks, you know, that's what Joe Biden is. Oh my gosh, that's number one. That's the most important thing in the world. We can't do anything to not protect these endangered species. All wells are endangered. He didn't say a thing about this. He hadn't said a thing. No changes have been even discussed, yet alone implemented, to stop the death of all these whales and other forms of uh, wildlife. And yet they're going after something that happened 13 years ago and has not happened since. And they're doing it in the name of, and I'm going to say it, you know it's coming, climate change. 
Every bad thing that happens any place to anybody in the world, it's because of climate change. How do we know that? Because that's what the left says. So all of this political correctness, all of the social, uh, the weaponization of our social ilk from coast to coast, top to bottom, every aspect of our society, it's impacting people in ways we will never know. And many times we do know, but our government officials won't admit, they won't even talk about it. One thing I'll point out, California. Now, we, we know a bunch of people from California, a bunch of businesses from California have left, and they've left principally because of the high taxes there, the high cost of living there. But they're not telling us exactly how expensive it is. So let me tell you. A brand new Bloomberg analysis of over 17,000 corporate filings, 17,000, This is not just a little segment. It shows that the exit of financial companies, just financial companies, 17,000 of them, 17,000 corporate filings, and the numbers show the exit of just the financial companies from California is estimated to have cost the state of California $1 trillion. Dollars, And that's when you measure the assets that are under management by these companies that have left. The flight of individuals and businesses from California has long grabbed headlines. Many of those fleeing the Golden State saying factors like red tape and high taxes made them do it. But now the latest analysis has put a dollar figure on just one segment of these businesses that are leaving. Financial firms. The analysis shows that from the beginning of 2020 through March this year, 370 investment companies that collectively have $2.7 trillion under management moved their headquarters to a new state. So where'd they go? The vast majority of those leaving were relocating from California and New York, going to places like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, with an estimated value of assets under management at around $1 trillion each. Texas' number one destination. It's not just finance firms. you got to keep that in mind that are leaving, but all manner of businesses. Many of those staying put for now are thinking about an exit. As many as 50% of CEOs are suggesting they're planning to leave California. Jim Doty is professor of economics at Chapman University. And he said this on Epix TV's documentary, Leaving California, The Untold Story. He cited high taxes, regulations, housing prices as motivation to leave. Mr. Doty said it's not just about a loss of tax revenue. The greatest loss to a state is the loss of human capital. Not just jobs, not just businesses. If graduate students move to Texas and Florida, it'll have a negative impact that's magnified because we're losing our best and our brightest. 
The latest estimate, which puts a dollar figure on one part of this exodus, it builds on other data, like from the Internal Revenue Service, which showed California lost a total of $47.1 billion in taxable personal income in 2020 and 2021, as hundreds of thousands of residents left, not businesses, but residents. According to the IRS, California lost $29.1 billion in taxable personal income in 2021 as 332,000 more taxpayers left the state than moved into the state. Los Angeles, they commissioned a company, the Area Chamber of Commerce, and that analysis shows that the number of companies leaving California nearly doubled between 2012 and 2019. Now, keep this in mind. Why do I bring up this stuff? You don't live in California, it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal. Let me tell you one reason it's a big deal. The governor of California, he's got his eyesight set on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. There are many people in the nation, many people much smarter than I, But I happen to believe this one thing, the same thing that many of those people believe. California's governor may be our next president because I don't think Joe Biden is going to run again in 2024. Gavin Newsom, long time ago, has thrown his hat in the ring. He won't come out and say it. He has said publicly he supports Joe Biden. But if Joe Biden we're not going to run. And every reasonable thinking human being understands Kamala Harris is not a logical option to run for president on the Democrat Party ticket. Gavin Newsom could be the guy, and he is going to bring, if he would get elected, he's going to bring to Washington, D.C., the whole process that he runs the California governor with, and it ain't good. It's not true capitalism. It's very top-down, big-time control, tax, 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 tax some more, and then spend, 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 spend. Deficit spending, that's just a way of life for Gavin Newsom. But we have more things to worry with. What other things do we have to worry with, Dan? Have you noticed that a lot of these deals, especially with other countries, when they come out, we hear very little about them for a few days. Why is that? It's a purposeful thing. They want to keep any conversation to a minimal, those people in the Biden administration, because they don't want to get busted. We're in an election season coming up. And there's a really big thing out there that we haven't been able to get clarification on. And it's Biden's Iran deal. It's got everybody spooked. Three top House Republicans sent a letter to the Biden folks this week expressing deep concern about potential threats to our national security from an alleged agreement being kept under wraps between the U.S. and Iran. The letter was sent Monday. It was signed by House Foreign Affairs Chairman Michael McCall, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, House Republican Conference Chairwoman Elise Stefanik, 
And in the letter, they criticized the deal with Iran as dangerous for releasing $6 billion in frozen funds to Iran for the freeing of five American prisoners. Now, it hadn't been confirmed that this actually happened, but the money got paid. The letter also accuses the administration of reaching a secret nuclear understanding with Tehran in this agreement. So Republicans referred to a Wall Street Journal report earlier this month that said Iran slowed its uranium enrichment process and the capabilities required to build a nuke, which they said coincided with news of the prisoner exchange deal. Taken together, this strongly suggests your administration has contemporaneously brokered a $6 billion prisoner deal and a nuclear understanding with the regime that are inextricably linked, they wrote. Any such deal or understanding with Iran that does not permanently and completely halt Iran's nuclear enrichment raises concerns that your administration is entrenching an Iranian nuclear program that threatens the national security of the United States. And leaders in the House of the Republican Party said that if true, the agreement would break a provision in the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act of 2015 requiring the administration to notify Congress of any decision regarding Iran's nuclear program. Now, the Biden folks, they've denied that any talks with Iran on the prisoner exchange and funding release are tied to nuclear conversations. State Department, remember you're dealing with one of the squirmiest, screamiest little people at the State Department, Antony Blinken. They've also said conversations and negotiations with Iran are still ongoing. Now, what the heck does that mean? President Biden sought unsuccessfully to, re- to revive that scrap nuke deal with Iran called the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action that lifted sanctions on Tehran in return for the country not pursuing nuclear weapons development. But if I had to say what my opinion was and how confident I am, I will bet you that deal is already done. And all that money, $6 billion on deposit in various entities around the U.S. have been frozen, that that money's been released. Oh, by the way, do you think maybe some of that $6 billion just happened to get out of the chain of command and went somewhere else? I will guarantee you, if it's happened, if it's been released, there are people that got money in their pocket now. The DOJ, that's Merrick Garland's DOJ, is being accused, credibly being accused, of obstructing an investigation by the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz. Now, this is according to House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. What's this one about? Well, they sent a letter to Horowitz yesterday In the letter, Comer, Smith, and Jim Jordan inquire about how the DOJ is responding to an IG investigation into whistleblower allegations that Hunter Biden got a free pass 
and that agents were repeatedly blocked from serious investigation into a number of felony tax evasions and other crimes, including that felony gun charge. As you are aware, IRS whistleblowers made protected disclosures to Congress about DOJ's investigation of Hunter. Specifically, whistleblowers testified the DOJ's investigation was slow-walked and subjected to improper and politically motivated interference. Further, the DOJ and IRS have reportedly engaged in unlawful whistleblower retaliation against those IRS employees. Their testimony raised serious questions about the federal government's commitment to even-handed justice. And as I said to Congressman Mike Johnson earlier today at the top of this show, you know it happened. You know it's going to continue to happen. That's a wrap on the show today. If you missed Congressman Mike Johnson, go back and download the podcast form at uh, iHeartRadio. Get that interview, and you have a great day. See you tomorrow morning. Daddy plays the ashtray. Baby starts to cry. Lady wants to know the reason why Dad is just like Coltrane Baby's just like Miles Lady's just like Helen when she smiles Lady wants to know Wants to know the reason Got to know the reason why This man has got to go This man is always leaving How he hates to say goodbye What she doesn't know Is there really is no reason Really is no And
just like Helen when she smiled. The lady wants to know, she wants to know the reason. Got to know the reason why this man has got to go. This man is always leaving. Doesn't